Hi, and welcome to another edition of Faith Greater Than Fear. Last year, we had new editions coming out weekly. This year, we're sharing and curating some of those, and today is one of those sessions. has to do with a pretty touching and pretty sensitive and pretty provocative topic, and that is human trafficking. You know, guns and arms are sold around the world for a lot of profit, so are drugs. But as you'll hear in today's session, the most profitable, unfortunately, commodity is that of the human heart, soul, and body. So we're going to hear today from some here locally and internationally equipped to address this issue. And you'll want to stay tuned and hear what they see as the problem and what they suggest as the solutions. So let's listen and listen well to what they're going to share about this topic. Rafa International um, was started in 2003, and our mission is that we want to end um, human trafficking and sexual exploitation of children, one child at a time. That's a very important part of our mission statement, one child at a time. And we do that through aftercare for child survivors um, and prevention for vulnerable children and then really tr just trying to engage anybody that wants to take part to take action on how they can be involved. So in 2003, we started with our first uh, aftercare campus and that was in Cambodia. And um, our second one was in Siem Reap. The first one was in Bonn, Cambodia, secondly in Siem Reap. Really Mike, it's amazing because we can attribute most of our growth to students throughout the years. And that remains true today. High school and college age students are so passionate about this issue. And um, they may not have you know, enough money to buy coffee at Starbucks, but they have a voice. And um, social media has given them a platform to use their, vo their voices in a big way. So yeah there's really a rise in um a global rise in online sexual exploitation of of humans especially children the statistics the statistics you can you can find statistics all over and they are all of them are different and why is that because we don't know it's under it's underground it's done in the dark and so we don't know but we do know that there are more people trapped in slavery today than there have ever been in history. Literally millions and millions of people trapped in slavery. And so many of them are children. UNICEF says that every single year, more than a million children are disappearing into slavery. More than a million children every single year. So just even that statistic is staggering. And Mike, unfortunately, that number is growing due to exactly what you just shared with online exploitation blowing up that number is only growing yeah and you know when you when you're selling drugs or you're selling arms you sell those once and then they're gone but with a human you can sell them over and over and over and over again and so that's what makes human trafficking so lucrative what what exactly is sex trafficking what what defines that because it is this really broad topic but sex trafficking is when a commercial sex act 
is elicited by the use of force, fraud, or coercion. But if it's a minor, then force, fraud, or coercion does not have to be in place. Any commercial sex act involving a minor is sex trafficking. And so because of that, there are so many different cases of it. Um, it's things that happen in person. It's things that happen online. The thing that that we always have to remember and, and when we're educating the community is to say that your child is more likely to be trafficked from their own bedroom than they are from anywhere else because they have phones, they have computers, they have tablets, they have devices where people can traffic them without them ever leaving your home. And that's terrifying, but it's just encouragement for us as parents and community members to be aware and to be on guard about all of those things. And so um, I, I just think of so many stories that our victims response team has been able to help. And, and one in particular that I think about is a, a young girl um, a teenage girl that just happened to be chatting with someone online. She was using her phone. She chatted with someone who, who said that he was this teenage guy. Um, and so, you know, she felt a lot of, of love from him and adoration. There was, there was grooming that happened. He knew what he was doing, um, convinced her to meet up with him. And so she did. And then when she finally did, it turned out he was a grown man. He was a middle-aged man. And at that point, he had done such a good job of grooming her that she didn't, it didn't matter anymore because she felt that love and that acceptance. Um, and then from that, she ended up getting pregnant at an incredibly young age. Um, and thank God for our law enforcement and for our medical community um, and our victims response team that was able to step in and identify that and um, to prosecute that case, which doesn't always happen in cases of trafficking because it's so complicated, but um, justice was served in that and that man will not be able to traffic or groom or harass any other young girl again. Uh, but it's cases like that that, you know, this girl lives in my community. She lives, you know, in my backyard, basically. And, and this is what's happening from her phone. Um, and then we just see situations like that time and time again, or, or girls just getting involved into people that they think love them, that are providing stability for them, um, that are grooming them. And then they, they end up in situations that they're unable to get out of. So, you know, I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of people saying, hey, I want to be involved in anti-trafficking work. I want to go bust down doors. I want to go on raids. And I mean, well, okay, bump the brakes a little bit. But he, honestly, here's, what, here's the most important thing that you can do. In, in community impact work, a lot of times I say, let's say we have an example where you and your group of friends are at the river and all of a sudden you see there are all these babies coming downstream in the river. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to jump in and start pulling those kids out. You're going to rescue them, obviously, but we can't stop there. Somebody has to be on the shore making sure these, after these kids are rescued, that they're okay, that they are getting the, the help that they need. But somebody, a lot of people needs to go upstream and find out who's throwing these kids in the river in the first place. And so that I think is the church's most important role in anti-human trafficking work is to go upstream to find out who are the vulnerable kids in our community, who are the people in our community that are most at risk to end up in trafficking situations. That's kids in foster care. That's kids that don't have healthy home lives. That's kids that maybe are looking for 
or something, runaway kids, homeless kids, um, kids that, that have those insecurities. And so if we as a church can really start to invest in kids upstream and stop them from ever getting into situations of trafficking, that's huge. Trafficking is so traumatic that will have a huge effect on you for the rest of your life if you're a victim of that. I think our team has the mindset that we've been called into battle every single day to be that um, that justice response for the voiceless victim that is in the womb or that voiceless victim of sex trafficking. And where our organization is able to step in, we see ourselves as in a battle, that we are to be warriors and we're to be geared up each and every day. And with that mindset means we have to be connected to the source and we have to be infused with um, all the, uh, the gearing up and the emotional fortitude that it takes to get out and get on the battlefield. These are just exceptional challenges that have added to. And so we have to defend against being warriors when right now we have to be even more keenly in tune with being warriors. And so that's where I am so blessed to um, be the leader of a team that does see themselves as warriors. And, you know, when my warriors have been voluntold that, hey, this is your two-week time to stay home, you know, their immediate response is, oh, but wait, I, I want to be on the front lines. It's as much a spiritual battle and, and emotional and mental so that we can keep serving and we can fight the worry by concentrating on being the warrior. You know, I think um, we're all always called to be compassionate and to be caring. And so no matter what the cultural climate is, we have the ability to understand that we can continue to be that bridge between culture and Christ, where sometimes um, the church in its more traditional form um, is not able to penetrate a culture, but we can find creative ways where we are truly being that gospel whisperer. And we are seeking to see everyone in our culture, whether that's the state health department, that's our law enforcement, um, that's our mayors or our government that is trying to make difficult situations. We can see them as pre-followers. And we, as a compassionate tribe of Christ, we have the ability to pray and to speak into the situation with a kind and a caring attitude, no matter what the chaos may be. And I think we have to look at as leaders in our homes and or in our ministries, in our churches, we have to go, okay, what is the course correction that we have to do right now? How can we pivot? How can we be adaptable? How can we be flexible? But it always means that we have to go back to the source. Wow. I hope you were really touched. And as I was thinking through with you some of what they were saying, isn't it interesting that the church should be in front of everything that's happening and not be behind and trying to just solve the problem uh, after it's appearing, but to be ahead of it and prevent the problem? Or as one speaker said, to be these gospel whisperers, so I hope you were encouraged. If you were, please share it with your friends on your social media channels. We have a podcast version as well. And so for myself, Mike Shragi, president of GMPI here in Joplin, Missouri, and for all of you, we wish you a great day. And until next time, 
have a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to make sure that your faith is greater than your fear.